Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Today we're talking about names. Names? Yes. I love your surprise. I totally bought it. Like, yeah, you have no idea yeah, what's coming. This is how it goes, which is why everybody's like, I don't think somebody knows what she's talking about. <laughs> I'm a really good actor. She's not at all. All an act, everyone. Speaking of acting, y'all, we got to watch Annie in yeah. her premiere movie called Annie in the City. Yes. It was delightful. Thank you. I really appreciate the support. Everybody came out because I was so nervous. Yeah, you did a great job. Thank you. I was really just, I was nervous for you. There was a couple of scenes I was like, oh, no. (laughs) It was funny because everyone was, they would turn and look at me as if to assess. I was trying not to look at you. I was like, oh. (laughs) And I would sink further and further down But it was so good. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. And producer Paul. Good job. Yes. Yes. Maybe one day it'll be available widely. YouTube's? Maybe. Well, I don't make any money from YouTube, but I guess I'll just get it out to the public. That's what matters. let Let people see your work. I need them. And the craftsmanship. Thank you. Because there's so much craft womanship. Oh, I'm sorry. Craft womanship. Jeez. Anyway, we're talking about <laughs> names today. <laughs> there is a point in that movie where one of the other characters is named Annie and she says, I ask her how she spells it. And right. she's like, what? And I say, well, I spell it a little bit differently. Right. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but one of our most popular and controversial episodes ever since I've been on, and I think probably ever, was women taking their significant others, typically husbands, uh, last name. So we wanted to revisit this, but this time talk about given names and family names and why it's so rare to have a woman with the suffix like a junior. And the whole reason we're doing this is because one night I couldn't sleep and got to thinking about first Robert Downey Jr. and then other juniors, and then there are no women juniors? episode. (laughs) Yes. And the short answer is the patriarchy. Obviously. Right. And before a lot of you write in angrily about why you chose your child's name, these are generalizations. (laughs) There is research. We're not here to judge anybody. (laughs) Um, Name your child as you see fit. Right. We love Uh, it. Yes. uh, That's feminism. The choice is what matters. Um, But we did want to discuss why society at large still views women and all things feminine, even in names, as lesser. And there have been a few news stories about this lately after Serena Williams named her daughter Alexis Jr. after the child's father, Alexis Ohanian, who is the founder of Reddit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are uh, whole sections on Mumsnet about how to name your daughter after the father. When Nigel Lawson named his daughter Nigella, that's a great example— Father's first and last name. Hard to imagine the inverse, a boy named after his mother with her last name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Celebrities do have a lot of sway over naming practices. Dakota and Shirley, as in Shirley Temple, Dakota Fanning, um, were more masculine names before the first famous people bearing that name were women. And then it kind of shifted and they became more coded as feminine. Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively named their daughter James. And Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher's daughter is named Wyatt. And then they're the gender-neutral names like Paris and Apple and Blue Ivy, etc. I do appreciate the creativity. Sure. 
Uh, I was named after my dad's mother, but through a series of adoptions, I'm not sure what her last name was, so I'm not technically a junior. I think it was Griggs. It was not Reese, which is my current mm-hmm. last name. Right. <laughs> so. like, like the candy. Uh, that's what I always say when yes. people ask how to spell it. Yes. I like the candy. I appreciate that. And I actually have two names, uh, my Korean name and my American name. I sort of claim both. Uh, for me, keeping my original name was an important way of trying to keep my origins and remember them, but I also have my Korean family name as my American middle name. Mm-hmm. So my Korean family name is Lee, mm-hmm. and that's my middle name. Mm-hmm. Now you guys know so much about me. We do. Um, now I will say I typically get called Sam a lot, which I do like because it's not automatically assumed to be female. That's I good to know that. because I wasn't sure if you liked being called Sam. Yeah, so typically I find out, which I, I think is a whole different thing, people who are closest to me call me Samantha. Mm-hmm. They don't actually short- shorten it. Mm-hmm. And then people who are not as close or maybe have let, met later in life call me Sam. Mm-hmm. So, And I, I like it. I like it just fine. Okay. When I was a kid, that I wanted a name like that that was feminine in its full form. Right but masculine in its shortened form, or gender neutral, I right. guess. I actually had roommates where our names uh, all equal to be like Sam, Joe, something, something, like where it was all sounding very, mm-hmm. not masculine necessarily, but at least ne- neutral. Right. And no one kind of, I was like, yeah, guess who's in there? <laughs> You'll never know for You'll sure. Know. Unless you come and meet us. And then if you know us, so, but uh, you know what I mean. I'm also a person who's collected a lot of nicknames over my my career of, of my life. <laughs> um, and I would love to look into, there's probably not any research about this, but nicknaming practices in different countries and among different genders, right. how that works. I was going to say that uh, the older generation, I had several of them call me automatically Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> so I don't know if they just like take something that's familiar from their past and uh-huh. just place it on. Sure. But for, yeah, a lot of people just call me that. Well, that's a famous junior. I, I have a nickname for our producer, Andrew, and he does not love it. But I do. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you always have a nickname, but this is the best one. <laughs> it's true. It's so long and makes so no long. sense. It makes and it keeps growing every time. <laughs> I know. My friends later asked me about it. They're like, what was it again? And I said, I think it changes. Like, it gets longer and longer. Oh, no, I've got it established. I've got the core. Mm-hmm. But I, I keep adding to it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it because I think Andrew, <laughs> Andrew would cut me. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get into the longer answer, other than just the patriarchy is why this whole naming thing with juniors and all that exists, um, the main difference between junior and something like the second is someone with the junior suffix is named after someone still living, typically the father, while the second is usually not the father but the grandfather or uncle. Women typically don't get these suffixes because of the common practice of taking the husband's last name after marriage. So it was a very short answer to this question that kept me up at night. But we did expound upon it a lot. Um, George Foreman is an exception, I suppose, because all five of his kids are named after them. And I think the first one is junior, and then they're like second, third, fourth. There was a commercial with him having all of his children around, right? And the mm-hmm. confusion of his name came out or something. Because everybody's Everyone's like, what? like, wait, what? what? <laughs> They're all George Foreman? <laughs> I like that. And I like how Will and Jada Pinkett Smith, mm-hmm. I guess it's Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, mm-hmm. um, did it, which they switched up the daughter and the sons, Willow. Yes. And Jaden. Yeah. It took me for a long, it took me a long time to figure out who, who was whom because it was not 
Ten typical. Year. Right. Um, it, and obviously it was a variation and not exactly the same, but mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. I did not know that until you, minutes ago, when you told me it. Right. Because I knew their names, I just never put together. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just never put it together. I don't know. And I, I did want to put at the top here before we get into this, names can be really powerful. They can shape how people see us and how we see ourselves. And a lot of our entertainment, knowing a name gives you power over someone, whether it's something like Rumpelstiltskin or a demon possessing you and you need to know their name is probably possessing a young girl because periods. That's my that's my theory. Right. It's always about periods. That mm-hmm. one, I, I think that's... Pretty We're on the same page. I'm with you on that one. And I think it's also how they do the naming ceremonies in several different places. Mm-hmm. I think that makes it a pretty significant, like, this is, you know, um, with a monarch, they sure. make it a big deal. This is so-and-so, so-and-so. And usually they have 10 names. Sure. Do you do you? Because I know that's lineage, mm-hmm. all about it. But, yeah, it's a big, powerful ordeal and a celebration. Research has shown that liking your name can increase productivity, self-esteem, and happiness. It can impact your overall mental health and self-perception. And I know for me, I hated my name for a long, long time. I tried to change it when I was nine years old. I went to the court, and they were like, get out of here, young young girl. You actually went to court? To yes, try I, tried, I, wow. asked, I asked how I could do it, and they said, you can't. <laughs> Unless your parents are on board, because it wow. was just me. Yeah, I really didn't like it. I wanted to change it to Gloria, so I would have had a very different life. And that's the power of a name. Gloria. Yeah. Huh. Huh, indeed. And I do think it caused me to have low self-esteem when I was in school because so many people mispronounced it, uh, commented on it, or asked me if I was sure that's how I spelled it. Right. Yeah. Uh, naming people can also be powerful. I've never named a person. But I have named pets, and it felt really important. I know it's not on the same level, but it did feel important. Like I was mapping out my dog's entire life. Well, yeah, I actually, um, growing up, I never named things Mm -hmm. because to me it was a mental block that they were going to exist and continue to exist, and I could not link that to, yeah. It it gets into a real deep psychosis. Like I couldn't link that into being permanent. Mm. So therefore, they didn't get a name. Oh. It's kind of like in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany. She named for, she never names the cat. It's just cat, right? Or big fat slob. I think she calls it, uh-huh. um, or big slob. She says fat. She says slob um, because she's like he. He's not owned by anyone. He doesn't belong to anyone. Mm. He's free. Um, and for me, that was the opposite. But then, as I got older, then I realized, oh yeah, naming things can be fun. Which is like Peachy's Gertrude McFuzzin. She has to have a very significant name, so I can yell at her properly. I ha- I name all kinds of things. Like my car has a name, Enid Eleanor. So I can't do that either. I, I always so I'll, when Enid Eleanor meets her end, I'll I'll have Eleanor? a little ceremony for her. I will. She's been in my car since two thousand and eight. Well, I think that a lot of people do that. You know, mm. they they put the significance on there because there's a deeper meaning, and that's yeah. why for me, I never could get attached to things like that. So it didn't make sense. Mm. Right? Yeah. Weird. Weird. Another thing that's weird is when I was dating, during my dating days, I used to say someone's name more frequently as a flirting technique, and now I, I really don't know if it was successful or just weird. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a power to that, especially if you say their name in a flirty manner. Sure. Like, Lee knows one syllable, but you make it ten syllables long and you touch them. Touch them on uh, the you shoulder. you add the, the yeah, shoulder touch. Yeah, there's some significance to that. Okay. Um, there, there are things like the CEO test, not in the dating world, um, where we attach 
certain expectations to names. Names are associated with social status and aspirations. I know there was that a couple years ago, that thing that came out that said your name might influence your occupation. Um, Also, I was looking through the names on that CEO list, and they are largely male names. Um, Studies have also found that when it comes to politicians, Americans prefer candidates with simpler names. Of course. I'm sure that has to do with, like, memory factor as well. So, Bob. Just sounds happy. Bob. I'm not really sure why I'm focused on Bob right now. I don't know either, Samantha. (laughs) It's It's a fun name. I don't know a Bob, I don't think. Okay, so also think of the racism and sexism inherent in hiring practices. We've all heard about the studies that found that that candidates with a name coded as more traditionally black on a resume is less likely to be picked up for the job as opposed to a more traditional Western white name. Um, And I know that's also significant for people who are, if any heritage, if it's a difficult name to pronounce, they're going to change it altogether. So maybe a traditional Chinese name or a Mm -hmm. traditional Korean name is going to change it into Philip. Right. So, And we will come back to that a little bit right. towards the end. Um, or, or another fact, the fact that women with more masculine-sounding names are more likely to find success in male-dominated careers. A study has found this to be true among judges in South Carolina where female judges with names coded as more masculine have better chances of success as compared to their counterparts with more feminine names. This is called the Portia hypothesis after a female character from Shakespeare's The Merchant of Venice. In order to appear before the all-male court, she disguised herself as male. If we look at authors, it's not uncommon for women to use a male pen name, or it used not to be illegally. It's a bit more difficult now, and I know because I looked into it briefly. Um, Or their initials, as J.K. Rowling was advised to do, to not scare off young boys from a book written by a lady. Right. Didn't she also change, uh, have a pen name for her murder mystery that was not, or was it murder mystery? Yeah, their murder mysteries, Robert Galbraith. I don't know how to pronounce the last name, but yes, she did. Historically, the practice of taking more masculine names has been acceptable and trendy for women. This is not a new thing at all. In fact, some names that were once traditionally masculine became coded feminine after enough women bore the name. Ashley and Shannon are great examples. And funnily enough, one of the only sites suggesting girls' names for boys includes those names. Uh (laughs) So it's all a cycle. Over the past decade, the practice of giving girls boys' names has been an overwhelming trend. And also hyper-masculine names, they're on the rise, too. Like, Jax was an example I saw. J-A-X-X. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But giving a boy a feminine name, not so much at all. In 2017, two of the most popular boys' names, Noah and James, were given to about 170 girls each. The top 10 popular girls' names were given to as little as six boys. As little as six boys. Right. And that's in the top 10. Um, Giving a girl a boy's name is seen as bucking gender norms, but the traits a lot of parents are after when choosing a masculine name for a girl um, are things like strength or the cool factor. And desirable traits because masculinity in itself is desirable. This isn't to say it can't be empowering for girls at all. Um, we've already said we like it. When right. I would have liked it. Um, but the fact that a boy's name is inherently better, that's the problem. Right. Um, it's all well and good for girls to be associated with masculinity while still being feminine. But for boys, being associated with femininity is a definite negative This is another example of a higher status group um, not wanting to take on anything from a lower status group, and those those are actual 
terms right. that come up in this conversation. And we have talked about this in a handful of episodes, actually, in our Final Girls episode um, and the discussion around how the Final Girl not uncommonly has a masculine-coded name or a gender-neutral kind of name, or in our video games episode and the practice of using a male or gender-neutral screen name to avoid harassment. Right. This is something I definitely did and was still harassed, so... <laughs> Your results may vary. <laughs> they were like, I know she's faking. I can sense it. Um, one study found a connection between boys given more traditionally feminine names experiencing more difficulties at school. And I mean, it's kind of a joke. Parents to be running through the possible rhymes and insults of a potential bad name. So dude names good, lady names Right. Bad. That's a big thing. The uh, parents to be will not tell people their names so they don't hear other people's judgments. That's true. From the beginning. I can I can relate to that very on a very minor level. It reminds me of the episode of Seinfeld where he's dating the woman and he doesn't know her name and she gives him a hint. She says, Can you imagine how tough it was growing up with a name that rhymes with stuff like a female body part or something? Right. And he spends so long trying to get it. It's not till the very end. He's like, Dolores. Uh-huh. Not a bad name. No, I don't yeah. think so. So another found another study. Another study found that while women with gender neutral names were seen as more masculine, boys with gender neutral names were seen as more feminine. And another study suggested that girls with gender neutral names were more likely to take advanced math and science. The author of the website Baby Naming Wizard received angry letters from parents who named their son Riley after she listed the name under both boys and girls sections. So she got angry letters from parents who had named their son Riley saying, this is definitely not a name for girls. I love the name Riley. I do too, and I think it's gender neutral. Yeah. Now, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a cousin named Riley. Anyway, <laughs> we have a lot more for you in this whole name game. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, okay. Uh, The longer answer to this whole question that I originally started with was why are there no juniors, female juniors, is throughout our history, naming someone has been practical. It's been a practical thing first. A family name to identify you as part of a tribe, a tribe of people who had to stick by you and would protect you, and then a given name to separate you from the rest of your family. Sometimes for boys in ancient Rome, that name was simply a number. What birth order were you? For girls born in ancient Rome, though, their names often contained descriptions since they shared the feminine form of the family name often minus the given name. For example, General Scipio's Africanus, his family name was Cornelius, so his daughters got the names Cornelia Africana Major and Cornelia Africana Minor, Big Cornelia and Little Cornelia. These are largely birth order names. But then parents started naming children generationally after ancestors. For most cultures, this followed patronymics, uh, names coming from the father, Take Vladimir Putin. His middle name translates to son of Vladimir. So he's Vladimir, son of Vladimir Putin. (laughs) Um, Girls' names were often derived from their father's names as well. Religious names were also huge. I know at one point, I can't remember the statistics, but it was shocking how many women were named Mary. It was a huge thing. Mary. Especially in Europe. There are several men named Francis. 
Francis and John was the big one for yes. her. It was John and Mary. John, oh, supernatural. Oh. <laughs> oh. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, naming after the mother and the mother's side, however, has historically become uncommon. Someone with their mother's name in the 1800s were often bastards. Yeah, so they might not know who the father right. was or he might not be in the picture. We don't claim him. Yeah. That's how that goes. Oof. Even if you think about the practice in some countries of taking the last names of both the father and the mother, it still boils down to the names of two men, the father's family name and the maternal grandfather. And as the importance of family and religion has diminished, names have become more a matter of taste, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, there are, of course, exceptions to the rule. Um, here are a few famous ones. Starting big with Achilles. Mm-hmm. Achilles frequently went by son of Thetis. His mother the sea goddess, probably because she was a goddess and his dad was just a dude. Like a, a dude. He, he was a higher-up dude, but he was just a dude. So if we think of it as a power structure, the goddess outranks human, but human man outranks human woman. Of course. Then there's Nancy Sinatra. She sometimes goes by Nancy Sinatra Jr. She's the daughter of Frank Sinatra and Nancy Barbado Sinatra. It's still... Feels kind of more like a tribute to her father, though, because her mother took her father's last name, but maybe that's just that's just me. Yeah. Then there's Anna Eleanor Roosevelt Jr., President FDR's firstborn and only daughter. In legal documents, Anna frequently was referred to as the second and her mother senior. Nice. Mm-hmm. Child prodigy and author of... In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue when a Fred Sackville Stoner Jr. was named for her mother, whom she toured with. And then fragrance designer Carolina Herrera Jr. is named after her mother, the fashion designer. And then Dorothy Foldham, the broadcast journalist, made her daughter a junior. Mm-hmm. Another perhaps obvious example we should mention is the royal family, where you have someone like Elizabeth II, royal blood, family line, being everything. And then as I was researching with this, it was fun just to hear about the phonetics of sound being feminine and masculine. Yeah. And according to one study, names that start with the hard phenomes are, or as defined by definitions.com, any of the perceptually distinct units of sound in a specified language that distinguish one word from another um, are more likely used for boys or male names, while the softer phonemes are placed with the feminine names. As in fact, sound gender association was the strongest in those who most highly endorsed that stereotype of men being tough and women as being tender, so like the U.S. and the in, in India. I remember my friend group growing up. We all we had a moment where we realized almost all of our names ended in a vowel sound, like e or a, uh, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty big one for right. feminine coded names. Right. Mm-hmm. We do have even more name stuff. What? But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Another aspect we wanted to discuss is changing your name as a transgender person. Changing your name is a harrowing, arduous process, and the law varies by state and by country, but in the U.S., it frequently involves going to probate court, paying a fee, so not accessible for everyone, being a resident of a state for a certain time period, printing a notification in a newspaper, also usually with a fee. You have to do that to announce the name at least a month in advance, and giving the court a reason for the name change. 
And if all that's successful, next steps involve changing your name with the social security office, on your license, on your passport, on websites, at the bank, with your landlord, utility companies, if you have any student loans. And then beyond that, changing your name as a trans person is helpful for job applications or when meeting new folks. As we discussed, for better or worse, we assign gender to names pretty frequently, and a name can change how people see you. It is often one of the first public steps of transitioning. Not all trans people change their names, sometimes out of choice because they already have a gender-neutral name or maybe it's not that important to them, and sometimes out of fear or lack of resources. It can and often does take years to legally change your name and the gender markers on documents, not to mention many of those documents don't have an option for non-conforming. Right. And also wanted to mention dead naming as well. This is calling a trans person the name they had prior to their transition. Don't do this. No. Choosing a name and having people calling you by the name is a hugely important validating step. It's a more truthful representation. To call someone by their dead names, even if you're talking about them prior to their transition, is really disrespectful, hurtful, and can cause a lot of anxiety, dysphoria, and doubt. And when it comes to police reporting violence against trans people and using the incorrect names or pronouns, that impacts data, which impacts funding and attention. Also, just again, to reiterate how difficult it is to actually be able to change a name, yeah. they earned this. Yeah. Also, this is who they are. Yeah, and and I did want to say for anyone who's listening to this and thinking about doing it but doesn't have the funds or resources or maybe is overwhelmed, there are um, definitely nonprofits out there that specialize in this. Right. Um, So go check that out if you have. I'm assuming you would have, you know more than I do about it, but I did want to say. Also, there are people that do support you, and, and, and I don't think people realize how significant of a process this was. And I say this as a person who I, when I changed my name, I had to legally change my name from the Korean name to mm-hmm. my American name. It was significant because it felt like I belonged to a family. Right. So I can't imagine feeling like you've been mislabeled all of your life and not being able to be true to who you are mm-hmm. and then being able to actually do it and for people to ignore that, yeah. how painful that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and just feeling accepted into a community because already they feel ostracized with everything else they already have to go through. And I think to validate is a small thing you can do. Yeah. We as we as allies can do. It's not that big of a deal. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> Speaking of jerks, when <laughs> Donald Trump was elected, there was a panicked rush to change names on passports um, in the trans community to reflect gender identity before he took office and stripped away protections around trans and gender nonconforming people. And we can see he's doing that. Yep. Um, When Caitlyn Jenner came out as transgender, the name and all spelling variations thereof of Caitlyn plummeted in popularity. So that shows um, just how far we have to come (laughs) as a society. Right. Another important conversation around names and naming is names in black communities. As we mentioned at the top, there have been studies demonstrating that job candidates with black-sounding names, and I say that with quotes, Mm -hmm. are less likely to get the position, even given qualifications that are the same. Up until the 1960s, Anglo-American names were the go-to for most African-American children. But in the 70s, with the rise of the black power movement, that changed. It was a way for black folks to differentiate from white people, and it was a sign of resistance. Roots, the book and resulting miniseries, played a large role in this as well. Plenty of folks stuck to Anglo-American names, and these days, the most popular names for black children are Aaliyah, Gabrielle, Kiara, Cameron, Jordan, and Nathan, and plenty and plenty so of white children don't have traditional Anglo-American names, Apple, it, and just saying. It's a pretty overt example of racism. 
unusual names for black folks are punchlines. Unusual names for white folks could easily be a politician. Yeah, a lot of our politicians, if you think about it, have very non-traditional names. Right. And then you also have to look and just being in the criminal system, the racist idea behind a name is absolutely a big part of the judicial system. And I've seen it. And I can attest to it, and it's horrible. And even just having to sit and review kids, people who automatically assume things with a name and with the conversation of why the parent do this to them. But just all of that, it does, and it's unfortunate that these these maybe historical names for them or generational names or something that they want to do a variation like many white entertainers do today, they get dinged for. Mm -hmm. And, And it is unfortunate that this is a part that we have to look at and consider why it happens. Yeah, and I would love to come back in a future episode and bring some people on who can talk more about this. Right. Um, On a sort of related note, I did want to briefly touch on the process of anglicizing names, which canon has been very harmful, a violent act of erasure of other cultures. For example, Christian names for Native Americans and African slaves. And when I was in China, um, a lot of students would introduce themselves with their Chinese name and their English name. And they would tell me sometimes they would forget their English name. They wouldn't respond to it. Because some, sometimes they said it would change, like, depending. Right. Um, until it was called, like, they had to hear it called a few times. And these English names are frequently chosen by teachers, particularly English teachers in China. And I, I was thinking about this, and I suppose I did have a French name, a Spanish name, a German name, a Mandarin name when I took those classes. But they were only used in class, not outside of it. of Chinese students keep their English name when enrolling in schools outside of China. I had a good friend from Taiwan in high school, and I was offensively ignorant of the fact that she had a Cantonese name and an English name, which she later changed her English name because she didn't feel any connection to it. Um, A lot of Chinese given names are are words. I believe my students gave me one, and I hope they weren't just lying to me, but I believe it meant summer rain. (laughs) (laughs) It could have been a terrible thing. I was going to say, this is like a Cantonese or Mandarin tattoo. (laughs) That is Yes, it's it's off my back. (laughs) No. Um, But in the U.S., that's less common, giving these kind of like word names um, and can lead to judgment. Also, English naming conventions are confusing. They're confusing. Mm-hmm. Some words are names and some aren't. <laughs> um, it's it's come up in our politics. Bills suggested that uh, Chinese Americans adopt English names. Like bills have come up um, because they're they are too confusing. Also worth pointing out, the English name typically means a white oh, English yeah. name. Absolutely. But I did want to say some people. When I was researching this, um, don't think it's a big deal, or they don't. They kind of like it. Some right. people don't. Is it so. like I said for me when I changed my name when my name was changed? Mm-hmm. Um, it was about fitting in. Of course, I go back as an adult looking back on the shame factor of trying to be white. Yeah. So it's kind of that both of trying to figure out who you are and trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. So if you're accepted into a community, it feels nice. Mm-hmm. But also sometimes it's just really difficult to try to tell everyone how to pronounce your name. Yeah, <laughs> and that's really fair. frustrating. So it's just like just just call me just call me Mary. Just call me Jane Doe. Whatever, I don't care. Whatever it is. <laughs> well, and I was reading about why this is, and essentially it's because business. Right. Um, I'd love to talk about that more too. And uh, I also would love to come back and talk about naming in Native American communities because something else I was thinking about in this episode is when I I worked in um, 
Australia for a while, and I worked with indigenous communities in Australia. And I got to see a couple of their naming ceremonies, and they also gave me a name, which I also... No, I know what that meant, because I was I was there to, like, document, help document their language. Um, but it did feel like they chose it for me, and it felt right. really powerful, and, like, this is how they see you, and this is how you're going to fit into right. this community, and, and just given the opportunity to witness that. So... Um, there's a lot to talk about with names. What's in a name? What's in the name? A lot, apparently. A lot. A lot, apparently. And we would love to hear from you listeners any thoughts you have on on names and um, any experiences you have with names. If you've got any interesting names in your life, you can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Nickname withheld. Thank you. <laughs> and thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And I'm gonna talk to you. Hey, 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 and you come on and sing with all. Hey, hey, okay, bye. I'm on my own.